Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. You think it's cool, act a fool if you like. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face. Scope on the flag and light it up. Yeah, you think it's tough. Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined here by our host and star of the show, Kevin Kernan, America's Most Beloved Sports Writer. This is episode 371, and this is the Coach and Kernan Show. Today, we're joined by myself, Will George, who is star of the A Day at the Yard Common Sense Pitching with Wiley and Will, along with Mark Wiley. And then we also have Sal Marinello, star of the Hot Corner here today. Uh, before we get going and bring Kevin on, just want to thank three quick groups. First is Blackout Coffee. Appreciate your support. Want to make sure that... Uh, we, our audience stays active with them. Be awake, not woke is their slogan. If you're going to buy coffee at checkout, use capital letters, K-E-V-I-K, number 20. We'll get you 20% off using this show as your discount at checkout. So don't be disturbed by the 10%. You just go right through, buy, it'll get your 20 on Kevin at checkout there. Also to our audience, 60,000 and growing, 74 countries. You know what to do after this show. Five stars, write some great comments because we do battle the analytics of the podcast world just like they do in baseball. And to our good friend, Ted Kubiak, listens to every single episode. I get critiqued after every episode from Ted. So uh, if you're looking for a stocking stuffer, his book, Old School, is phenomenal. He also has a fielding manual, How to Field a Ground Ball. Best I've ever read. He will have a children's book coming out at Christmas time, so we'll make sure we promo that as well. And with that, uh, Kevin, welcome back to your show. Great to be here, Dave. A lot going on. A lot to say. I like uh, I liked your uh, entry, your opening. Very good. Good tempo. And I think we're ready to roll and. I thought of something immediately when you, with the music playing, try this in a small town type thing. I really think sports uh, is, is losing its grip in a lot of ways on, um, on what, they, what they were supposed to be. And I think it's become the gambling thing has become so big now that I think in a way teams have to get back to a small town mentality of taking care not only of their players, but their fans. And we're seeing this is the tip of the iceberg right now. We're seeing a lot of teams are going to do things in Nashville because there's a lot of pressure on teams because they screwed up the team so badly. So many teams are in bad shape. And with the Rangers winning, the Rangers aren't the perfect team, but they do a lot of good baseball things. Suddenly they realize that, uh Oh, we could be in trouble here. And I think uh, the pressure is on, on the nerds like never before. Uh, you're seeing what's happening in Toronto. They're talking about Soda and uh, Otani. Uh, there's talk about Bichette being on the trade, uh, you know, maybe traded. Bichette, if you remember during the season, uh, Bichette was very anti-nerd. You know, he, he, didn't, he wasn't into a lot of the analytics, and he made it clear. So I, if the Orioles, to me, the Orioles are a linchpin. If they could ever get it together, if their owners would ever – wake up they need to wake up they could use some blackout coffee and uh they, they need to wake up they have pretty much the team there with a few pieces go get the pieces spend the money take care of your fans that's what i'm talking about and and we're gonna see this by the end by next week when we do next week's show we're gonna have a lot to talk about there because we'll see what team stepped at the plate and which teams uh, uh, ran to the casino to uh, just place down a bet on their future things that are going wrong. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree. I think Baltimore they need to piggyback off that hundred win season. And uh, before I weigh in, Will Will Sal, welcome to the show. What, what, what say you guys on this? Go ahead, Will. Uh, well, yeah, I, it'll it'll be an interesting week. Um, to see if San Diego, uh, you know, San Diego spent a lot uh, from a prospect wise to get Soto, and you know, from the things you hear, which only are things that you hear, they're, I think they're asking too much for a one year rental at this point. Way too who, much. It's the, he's a joke. Who, Probably yeah, a joke. Who has Scott Boris as his agent? Who is not going to take a sign and trade. He's going to let him go to the free market. He always does. I don't think he's ever allowed that to happen. So that'll be interesting. You know, the Otani thing, you know, we keep hearing between a half a billion and 600, uh, <laughs> you know, 600 million. Um, 
you know, he's a two-time Tommy John guy. Uh, I don't know if he's still, you know, we don't know. Is he going to come back to be the pitcher he was, or is he just going to be the hitter? And he's a great hitter, and he's a great pitcher. But he's also a two-time Tommy John guy. Uh, I did have to laugh because they they used a John Morosi piece on uh, MLB Network last night that Babe Ruth once said that you can't pitch and hit at a high level in the big leagues. And he said Babe Ruth was wrong. Well, I think Babe Ruth was right because <laughs> this guy's now had two Tommy Johns in five years or six years. So you can't pitch and hit and stay healthy. Well, I, I don't know. I, I would say you. there's so many other factors there just because of what we know is being done in the offseason, what these guys are training like. Um, what they've done as kids and all through their developmental stages. So I don't see, from my standpoint, any physiological reason why it couldn't be done. I could see it from a standpoint of maybe you need a different recovery mechanism, but these guys are pampered to the degree that no one ever has been in sport, uh, and not just baseball players, all of our professional athletes now. The To complain about conditions, and Kevin has railed about the load management, we've all talked about it, so for the most part, I, I would disagree with the fact that there's something mutually exclusive about doing both. As a matter of fact, I think it's an indictment of our developmental system that there aren't more players who are serviceable to do both at, at some level in, in major leagues and especially in the lower levels where we grew up playing baseball. The best baseball players I knew when I was in high school and early in college were all and played Legion and played some, you know, higher level post high school baseball. The best players did everything. Um, so I I would disagree that in particular to Otani because he's doing it at a high level. It proves you can't. I I would rather look at it as there's something being done developmentally that's preventing more guys from being good good enough to to participate and and um and be a benefit to their team. But uh, as, and as far as the salary goes, uh, Kevin, you mentioned some crazy numbers. I've so zoned out with what they're paying, especially baseball players, where this is all guaranteed. I, I could care less with especially what's going on. Uh, I think you're seeing this fatigue in that no one's watching. Uh, people are not watching baseball. Uh, here's a quick comparison. The, the, um, the Jets-Dolphin game on Black Friday. Right had nine over 9 million average viewers and peaked at over 11 million. And it was one of the 10 least watched NFL games this year. And it still outdrew baseball in the World Series. So you, this it's great if you're a, a, a nerd, insider, fanboy of your team. But being in New York and seeing what high payroll does to your team, it's nothing to get excited about. If anything, it's something to get turned off about. No, absolutely. And the... Um... The development thing, we, we, we you know, we, we've been leading the parade on that and it's only getting worse. I mean, I, I, I sent you some video, Sal, of, uh, of Alvarez doing some workouts and they're not training for baseball anymore and it's really catching up to them. And again, strength training is fine. I have no problem getting stronger. But the things that they're doing is just they're just they're destroying development. I, I think I'm, I'm going to go so far right now for most teams. I would say development is going backwards, not forward. And we see it, um, we see it in the players. And I remember, um, you know, seeing players as young players. And I've talked to, I've talked to scouting directors about this. They'll scout and they'll draft a guy. And then they, they, then they, they get, they get scared because their organization, what they're going to do to that guy, they make them into worse players than when they were drafted. So it's it's happening consistently, and I think Will nailed it with the one comment that they're, they're just hiring from outside your uh, industry, and they're not promoting from within the industry. People are failing up in baseball like I've never seen before. They'll fail, and I'm not going to name names because uh, you know I don't want to go there right right now. But people are are losing jobs in certain organizations, and they're getting hired in other organizations. 
How many assistant GMs are we going to have in baseball? They, they, there's more assistant GMs now than there, than there are real teachers in, in organizations. It's a joke. It's a joke. And, and uh, you know, it's, 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 it's all starting to catch up. Everything we said is true. One of the things I want to point out, too, is, you know, I, I wrote a piece this week, got a lot of reaction on Ball 9, the, the Felipe Lou piece, where I really looked, dug into why he should be in the Hall of Fame, especially with the manager's uh, being, uh, you know, we had Jim Leland uh, selected, elected last night by the Veterans Committee, Golden Era Committee or something they call them. They all got names. And um, Felipe Alou was a great instructor. He, he was a great player. He's, he, of course, he and his brothers were the first outfield and the only outfield brothers uh, back with the Giants way back when. They played a game, game or two. Uh, that'll never happen again. But he also was such a great instructor and manager. He, but he didn't get his first managerial job till he was 58 years old. But he he developed all those players in the in in the Montreal organization uh, back in the day. And and there is no development now of those players. Who who is doing that? So so it keeps going the game keeps going backwards, not forwards. They tell it's go they tell us it's going forwards, even though there's no proof that it's going forward. <laughs> so, yeah. so, it's, so it's, it's, it's almost like uh, the same, some of the same things that are happening in government are happening in baseball now. And we're going backwards. Kevin, I'll add to that. When Philippe was a minor league manager, he managed in the era, not where they now. Uh, right. He managed. Yeah. It was him and a pitching coach. So he did all the development of the, of the position players, the hitter, they're hitting, they're fielding. There were rovers that traveled around who had great experience in the game, but Philippe had the experience in the game to understand every aspect of it. Outfield play, infield play, first base, middle infielders, corner infielders, outfielders, center fielders, catchers. He did all the work. He threw the early batting practice every day. He worked his ass off in developing that group of players that that got to that 94 Montreal team that was one of the better teams in 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 the 90s probably I think they were 73 or 74 and 40 at the time yeah. of the strike yeah they were that 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 was a unbelievably talented club that had been built uh by good drafts and player development and some good trades and things like that and uh you know it <laughs> You know, now you go out and there's uh, a minor league manager and a bench coach and a first base coach and a third base coach and a pitching coach and a bullpen coach. And, mental skills coach. Don't forget your yeah, mental skills uh, coach. Mental skills and three or four analytic people. What was the one and, I posted last week? It was an information gatherer. Yeah, in, like information that. gatherer. And those people experience-wise add together uh, – don't have the experience of one third of what Philippe Alou did as a manager in the minor leagues. Well, let me all- let me bring this to Sal because uh, it, it's 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 a great point. Imagine getting all that information as a player from all those different entities and how confused you're going to be. Right. And I'm going to give you an example here. I saw the uh, the Mariners just traded Kalenic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now he he's been traded from the Mets. And, and, you know, Sal knows his Mets stuff and, and yeah. stuff like that. And he's been traded from the Mariners, and he's 24 years old. He's been traded twice. I think there's two things going on here, and it's why I'm getting back to Sal. The, pamp- the pampered athlete is beyond control in pro sports now, you know. I don't know if you guys saw the basketball story where the one player couldn't wasn't into oh, his yeah. because he didn't have the right tights. Yeah, uh, yeah, they didn't have his tights. So yeah, so so, so – there's that going on. You have you have a, a Saban down in Alabama who still gets his players to play football, and they come back and they grow as the season goes on. But you have why is a guy like Kalenic traded twice already? And um, you know you know well, guys, you guys. I always, I always felt this, and and it happens in the NFL draft. I always kind of thought a lot of that hype around prospects is BS for this exact reason, because you're going to find the sucker to trade for him. Uh, and you really know he's not that great because 
I mean, I, it seems to be counterintuitive to me to have someone that's so highly touted and yet you're so willing to give give up on him. Um, it, it defeats the purpose to me of the whole concept of, especially what baseball had been, where you you have this system by which you're developing your players and then bringing them to the team so that it, it it's by all avenues, it's positive. It's positive, obviously, for your organization. Your fan base gets to see this kid grow. And it's also great financially. You're not paying someone right off the bat all that money. So I think part of that is the BS that surrounds um, what these people think of these guys. And I think they hype guys up for that. Well, it's not only BS, but it's also uh, the fact that their own evaluators can't evaluate. Well, that's true, too. And, and you know what, Kevin? I just wanted to touch on one thing you brought up earlier about the training, uh, about the Mets prospect. Even, And I'm assuming that's relatively recently. Even if what they're doing is is sound, they, these guys don't rest. So you know, there's a finite amount of high level performance that any human is capable of, and I think they've lost this concept of downtime. That's one of the things that you're turning a positive of an individual's positive. Let's let's try to look at it. And I've seen this happen with college athletes. You take a guy or a girl who's so willing to work hard and yet no one's applying the breaks to them, which the breaks is what they need in the offseason, uh, especially baseball. I look at college athletes that I deal with in all kinds of sports. There's no downtime. So I think that's the other part of it. Not only are they doing things that might not be great, even if everything they're doing, Kevin, is great, they're not allowing them to rest, which is as damaging as doing the wrong thing because it is in one way doing the wrong thing. So what's the phrase you use? By not having that rest, what does that uh, do to the body? Well, you're just never recovered. So there's a whole overtraining syndrome that even people who just go to the gym can find themselves. I can't tell you how many people I know who train without regard for their need to recover and have a couple of days away. I've, I've written and, and done posts on my Instagram about the need to take time off when you're not sick. Most people that I know that are dedicated – only miss or take time off when they're sick or hurt. And that's not time off. That's you're recovering from something extraordinary. You're not getting the ordinary recovery, which is central to your well-being. And it, it doesn't matter if you're the Met prospect, if you're an NFL player, if you're an NBA player, or if you're the, the, the person who goes to the gym all the time. You need to sleep. You need to get proper nutrition. And you need that recovery all contributes to your overall well-being. It's not an, you know, it's the old, it, it comes back to these cliches. You can't burn a candle at both ends. That's a thousand percent true. What's your phrase, Sal? As intensity increases, you have a dichotomy. As, in, as intensity increases, volume by definition needs to decrease. So intensity is not this subjective measure of the workout. And I, I, I hear this all the time. Oh, I had this intense two-hour workout. Well, no, by nature, by necessity, that is a low-intensity, high-volume workout. Uh, An intense thing is something you could do for a very short period of time. So that that extensive volume, uh, Kevin talked about it. That's why these players are getting worse over time, because they, they don't get any downtime. So the volume is so high Ultimately, what's happening is they're never training at the high, a, a high enough intensity. It would be like if you took a 100-meter sprinter and had them distance run, they would come out and their 100-meter time would suffer and they'd be injured. So that's what we're seeing in a lot of these team sports. And, and Will, what did uh, Jim Palmer tell you about his workouts early on when he was uh, learning how to pitch? Uh, he was trying to grasp on – because he had trouble with his control um, – so what was he trying to grasp? And, and it worked for him. And the second part of the question is, why are we going away from proving experience where these things work to what we're doing now? Well, I mean, Palmer talked, you know, just about pitching, you know, being on the mound and, 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 and improving and being mentored by different people like Robin Roberts, who was a Hall of Famer. He was his um, roommate, correct? Yeah, he was his yeah. roommate. You know, uh, he, uh, Jim Palmer was a, a an avid runner that could run all day long. Um, you know, he he went to a doctor when he had some shoulder issues. 
doctor taught him some uh, some different things that helped his shoulder, and he stayed healthy basically the rest of his career. But to piggyback on what you guys were just talking about, I spoke to uh, Chris Widger, who we've had on our uh, show uh, that had managed and played in the big leagues. And uh, he's now in an independent league. And uh, he got let go a couple years ago by an organization because he spoke up. Um, you know, the players play six, six day weeks. Um, they, they're in the gym every day with the strength and conditioning people. They play Sunday day game and he had this happen a couple times and he finally rocked the boat and that's probably why he got let go. But they had a player who, uh, when they come back on, uh, they're off every Monday. So they play a day game on Sunday. The guy has all night Sunday, all day Monday. Tuesdays at the ballpark early, he does his lifting. They do his testing. They do testing every day now with force plates to see how much energy you have, I guess. So he plays on Tuesday. On Wednesday, he tests low, and the strength guy comes and goes, well, he can't play today. Well, it's one of their top prospects. He goes, well, he's got to play. He just had an off day on Monday. <laughs> he didn't play on Sunday. And he's like 20 years old, 21 yeah, years old. Yeah, he, you know, he's 23 years old, and he can't play on Wednesday. Well, how, about the, how about the idiot's thought processes? It's the playing that's the problem. I mean, that well, is yeah, well, he said, he, he said, well, how about if we don't – we go easy in the gym for a couple yeah, of days. Yeah, right. Take it easy. And I get gym. his ass out on the field where he has to improve at his routes in the outfield and he's going to become a better base runner and he needs to play the game. Uh He said, well, I'm going to play him. And if anybody comes after you, tell them to talk to me. So that, that, you know, he ended up getting let go at the end of the season. See, you're not part of the group thing. So you're not part of the group anymore. And that's what's going, that's what's really going on in baseball. There's so much group think. Yeah. That there is no uh, no really common sense and it, anymore, and I'm going to tell you a little a major league story now. And uh, uh, I heard this directly from someone who uh, was there. Um, so Giancarlo Stanton hits two has one of his rare games hits two home runs. The pitcher throws the ball in the same spot twice. Two different pitchers hits a home run. Uh, it happens. He's got the swing path. So he started the game. So he he goes down. To, you know the the. The people go down to interview him after the game or as soon as the game ends, maybe on the telecast or whatever. And um, they look around and he got taken out in the seventh inning for defense. Uh, they look around and Sal, you can address this afterwards. They look around and there's no Stanton for their story the game show. And they ask around and they find out, well, he's not around. He's in the weight room now. Oh, he's God. in the weight room right after the game. He actually probably went to the weight room after he was lifted for defense. And then, so he's not around to do the story of the game show because he's in the weight room after hitting two home runs, and he already has the power and the strength. But he's in the weight room. And meanwhile, he's pulling a hammy left and right. He has no. He looks like, uh, you know, he looks like Frankenstein out in right field moving for the ball. Looks like me sometimes when I wake up with my sore knees at seventy years old. What the hell are they? They are not doing any baseball things. No, you know you. If you're on the field doing baseball movements every day, you're you're increasing all your strength and flexibility in baseball movements. And that's where players stayed healthy by doing that, not by going in a weight room and creating more bulk. Uh, it's just it's so depressing that we're you're still talking about this. Just you just watch them. Sal, this just happened this year. Sal, this happened this year. So so they haven't learned – the Yankees haven't learned a thing about what they're doing. No, of course they haven't. Look at their injuries. I mean, at every level. Look at just – it's – it's again, we, we talked about last week the word of the year was authentic. It, it's really supposed to be – it should be gaslighted because we've been told the opposite of what actually we're seeing with our own eyes. It's, it's, it's really funny and sad. And I also believe, and again, I'm I'm just guessing here, but I, I've seen Kalanick, uh, you know, I've seen his body type and everything. He's a muscular guy. Part of my theory with this kid is probably he doesn't probably play enough baseball. He's probably doing, you know, this is why he's been traded twice. He's obviously got talent. Uh, 
but but you know he probably is so factored uh, you know in on working out and and Dave you you know you 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 coach all sports the fact that we're even talking about the fact that the, the that young players are not playing enough baseball that shows you where the whole mindset is off but that's what happens when you have four assistant GMs Maybe one of them is muscle bound and loves the weightlifting. Uh, by the way, Gabe Kapler just got he just he just he just got promoted after getting I fired. Saw that. Yeah. yeah, so he's with the Marlins now. The Marlins are going in a really very interesting. They seem to be going total total nerd now. Um, you know, after they had some common sense baseball people in there, Jeter and Kim Ning and things like that. Uh, but you know. The young athletes, this is what we're trying to tell you people. Get out there and play your game or do – do uh, do. Uh, Jeff Fry put up a good post the other day. Um, in the winter, if you're – you know, find a place in your basement where you can throw a ball against a wall. I mean, it sounds stupid and silly, but it's better than doing some of these other things you're doing. I knew of a player who, who went on and played. He very good player. He won a gold, uh, Rawlings Gold Glove in college. But every winter, he, he was in New Jersey. He was a shortstop. And his father put down some, um, you know, artificial turf in the basement. And they worked out, you know, in a small little basement every winter. And it paid off because they were doing baseball things. Get back to doing baseball things. And, Dave, you're the coach of the group. Uh, address that. I, I, I think I'll, I'll echo what everybody else has said in that there's really no substitute for working on your craft. There's no shortcut. There's no, uh, you know, there's, there's ways you can supplement a Sal and I talk about on, on his show. But if you want to be a better fielder, you want to be stronger in your legs fielding, field ground balls. You want to be a better pitcher. You want to have a stronger arm. You know, get out there on the mound and work on your craft. You don't have to throw 100. That's the biggest issue I think uh, we see on socials that, and Sal touched on, is that everybody feels like when they step out there, it's got to be max effort all the time. And that's really not the way of the world. There's no way uh, you can go out there for two hours, as we talked, and go max effort. There's no way a pitcher can get out there and throw max velocity. For you know, I, they only throw sixty pitches now, anyway. But even for sixty pitches, but for a young kid out there, there, there is no substitute for working on your craft. You want to get stronger as a as a fielder with your legs, field ground balls. You want to get stronger as a hitter, hit. You want to get stronger as a thrower, throw. I mean, it's I don't mean to oversimplify it, but that's that's basically it. These guys, as you said, Kevin Stanton's answer was go back in the weight room and after hitting two home runs, it's not working. It's not Dave, working. But that's evident. Dave, you were an infielder. If you took a hundred ground balls during batting practice and took balls off the bat for a group, and then during your hitting group ran the bases hard, you had a hell of a sweat and a hell of a workout before your game. Yeah, absolutely. You did things that were going to make you better. Me as a pitcher, I'd get to the ballpark early. Um, The pitchers would do their running, which was, you don't see anybody run anymore. I would run a lot. We would run sprints as a team and do our stretching. I would shag balls in the outfield, or if I started, I had to pick up balls during batting practice myself and run them back and forth to the manager who was throwing batting practice. So I was bending my ass down and picking up about a 1,000 balls during the course of an hour batting practice. And then at the end of the day, you run your sprints, and you might have been at the ballpark early working on PFP, uh, covering first base, turning double plays. You did more than enough stuff to continue to make your body stronger, to make you in better shape, to go out and play baseball. Yeah. And, 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 that's and funny. now you it's go to the ballpark early and you don't see pitchers shagging. You see two, two bat, uh, bat boys doing the bucket. Um, you see a couple it guys. Back to our pampered thought. They're pampered yeah. too much. You you know you see guys hitting in the cage, not hitting out on the field, and seeing if you're barreling the ball up truly, and it, if it's actually carrying on the field, or if you're using some data to go, oh, you hit that ball good. Oh, you hit that ball good into the top of the net. It's just you know it's it, it's so you know. So, so, so much common sense in your face that is just being ignored. That's fun too. Like, well, yeah. I'm 50. And when I, I tell the kids, when I go out and throw batting practice, my only ask is I get to take one round off so I can go field ground, ground balls at second base. Cause it's, yeah. it's the best. It's fun. 
it's yeah. the best workout for my legs as even at this age. And, yeah. um, and I also get to learn the hitters. I get to see yeah. my hitters from a different angle. Well, you yeah. also, the other thing, and, and you guys, uh, you, you learn about competition. You learn about being a teammate. Yeah. You learn about working and having fun. It's not a job. And, and, and then if you go into your uh, workout sessions and Sal, when you have different athletes, different sports, what do you do specifically? Do you do do you do sports specific uh, workout se- sessions or ha- basically no, how do you I, I, that's the problem? You're getting these twelve year olds who go and they do just lacrosse or they'll do just basketball, and they never know they don't know how to sprint, which which sets their ceiling lower. Well, that's your big things. No one knows how to run, right? In a major no one league. knows how to run, so that sets your ceiling as far as how much. A skill acquisition and how agil- how your agility will be because if you can't sprint properly, you could do all the agility drills in the world, but you're not going to address the the main overall skill that you need to be good at to do all those other things. Sprinting, and and when I say sprinting, it just doesn't incorporate sprinting in a straight line. There's always you would never know it to watch social media, but there's other ways to work on your sprinting besides sprinting in a straight straight line that sets your your ceiling higher. It's just like with, with these younger athletes, if they don't work on high level coordination at a young level, they're not going to be that, that skill acquisition will always be diminished as they get older. You're setting up uh, for failure for limiting their performance abilities. So it's not sports specific because they're getting no general fitness. I'm going to say there might be the outliers of these school systems that do real phys ed, but for the most part, they're getting no phys ed in school. They're doing just their sport. You're going to these club, whether it's basketball, whether it's uh, lacrosse, whether it's soccer, and all you're doing is playing those sports. You're not doing anything without the implement or the ball or whatever. So you're you're never going to reach that higher level. That's why we're seeing all these problems that are recurring from an injury standpoint. One of the is main. That, you think that might have been? I mean, this is my this is a fluky question, but. Sometimes you, you you stumble across things. Aaron Rodgers and all the calf and a lot of the Achilles injuries this year is, is that just a freak thing, or are they doing so much now that they're making the Achilles kind of susceptible to injury? Are they doing stuff? Well, that- it's it's it, the thing is that's I don't think it diminishes the impact or diminishes the importance or if that's even the right term. But the Aaron Rodgers of the world were the athletes that you would typically see have that injury the older the older athlete with a lot of miles a lot of training a lot of you know just damage from playing and the, the the course of the game the problem is you're seeing younger people with that well the guy with the Mar- uh the guy with the uh with miami this, this this week blew it out and well uh, yeah at the on the black friday game he was right. he was from a starting stance now there, again, we're talking about a bunch of factors that are combining to create this epidemic. Again, you had an average of 18 a year for five years. We've already had 21. I don't know if we had anything this weekend, but as of the Black Friday game, there were 21 Achilles ruptures uh, when they had been averaging uh, 18. So it's a combination of these things. And there's, Kevin, it goes back to what you were talking about earlier about some of the baseball and the analytics and how they uh, uh, how they judge their their prospects, we're getting to the point where you have to you have to face the reality that what you're doing is wrong, and when you're not, you have to lie about it, which is what we're seeing in other areas. That's, that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing a lot. We're of, seeing the lie. We're not seeing enough media going into and saying, "What, what are you telling? What, what are you crazy? No, this right. isn't working." Yeah, yeah you no, know, don't the the excess deaths aren't from something that seems obvious, it's from some other reason we can't figure out. Uh, it, it goes to the general health question. We, we see this on social media all the time. These aging, anti-aging experts talk about sarcopenia. Sarcopenia is an age-related muscle loss. And all they talk about, most of these people talk about the remedy is exercise when it's not the, the remedy. The remedy is eating protein. There is no data that shows the body stops responding to the intake of protein to maintain and even add muscle mass. What we have is people exercising and not eating protein because the the advice from our experts since the 70s 
has been to eat less protein. So that's why we now have three generations of people with these age-related issues that come from lack of muscle mass and all these other conditions that come from a, a crappy diet. So give me the protein that you would recommend. What types of protein? Uh, it, dairy. Eat dairy, eat beef, eat I don't care what you eat. It, 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 as long as you're not eating fast food, this last this last quote that wasn't even a study, but it's termed a study. It was a paper that I believe it was Harvard did. They lumped fast food consumption in with people who ate red meat, where where that's completely oh. different. So that's how they were able to that, and that's how they were able to make the case that red meat led to diabetes and obesity because they included the crap food in that. And Kevin, that's no different from looking at your analytics people who are including crap information yes. in their analysis system. And that's what we have across the board. Well, well two things here. Uh, whenever, As you know, on social media, I often put up where I eat and things like that. And I, I, I'll eat beef a lot and I'll eat a steak. And with, without a doubt, You'll always get the one wise ass will say, "Oh, I'll have a side of cardiologist with that." You know, yeah. Uh, they, they're not the people have been they they've been misled down this path, and I'm going to bring this back to baseball, and this is a perfect example with Will. Will you you're out? This is what makes our shows different. We're there. We we've been there. We are there every day. We 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 live the life. We're authentic. So you're out watching every day pretty much some form of baseball, minor league, whatever. Uh, and how many, throughout the minors this year, what used to be a staple in the game, how many times did you see pitchers running the poles or running in any fashion along uh, along the uh, outfield this year? Throughout the year in minor leagues, in the hundreds of games that you've seen. I, I think I mentioned that the other day in our podcast, uh, I probably saw 185 or so games this year, and I think I saw 12 pitchers running. Um, listen to that again: 12 pitchers 12 in 185 pitchers. games, and the and how and and let's multiply the set. Of, everybody's got two sets, two eyes, but you know. So so let's multiply that by all the analysts, all the coaches, all the nerds. All the, um, you know, every, every you know, single 17 coaches on a team and nobody, nobody sees what's going wrong. No. No, well, you know, we, we throw the number out all the time. 1,200 major league rostered players missed 45,000 plus days at a cost of $968 million. And uh, Brian Cashman goes to the microphone to argue with the – reporters and nobody asked him a question about well what are your your what are your strength and conditioning people doing wrong if you have this many injuries you know they you know I did 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 their system I believe they had between eight and ten Tommy John recovering pitchers at every level last year every level and that was just from low A ball to triple A for, for, for the four teams that I covered. And yet they plus, were named by Baseball America the third best. Third yeah, best. Plus, plus their major league club who had Efron recovering, um, uh, Gill, the young Latin kid who has pitched about two innings in the last two and a half years or five innings. Uh, Rodon. Had, uh, yeah, you know, you had Rodon's injuries. Uh, Severino, who the Mets decided to buy. Yeah, you know, Severino, had his injuries. But nobody asked the question, you know, you brought a new strength and conditioning guy in in 2020. Or, Is it or working? Can, Is it working? Show us it's working. Or, yeah, or, or aren't you concerned about what your players are doing? Um, well, that's what I believe with the level of – that's why I think you're seeing a lot of th- there's going to be a lot of action because I think GMs have made so many mistakes that they're now in survival mode, save my ass mode, and that's what you're going to see trades. Well, their structure is just like corporate America. That's why they have all the the uh, the Ivy liberal arts guys running it. It's it's a firing squad mentality. They have so many assistant this, assistant that. That when something screws up, like we're talking about, they like a lot of things. Nobody has nobody feels like they have to take the blame for it. Somebody shot the bullet that killed the guy. They just don't want to take blame for it. 
A structure, yeah, I was going to say you know, a, it was a system. Yeah, it was a system. No individual. Well, here's my advice to young players right now. And I've given the same advice to adults, and especially with what's gone on in the last few years health-wise. And um, by the way, I'm at my high school weight. And I'm. you've seen the pictures that I've had, you know, uh, uh, the food that I've had. I try to eat well. Every once in a while, I'll go off a little bit. Um, I, you know, Sal knew me when I was 250. Now I'm down to 190. And I'm eating more protein. So I would advise young players and athletes, you are responsible for your health. So you need to go and your ability to improve as a ball player. The things we're talking about, go and do on your own. Make yourself a better player. Eat right. And, uh, you know, get that protein. I, I'm telling my grandkids all the time whenever I see them, you know, I'll see them uh, and any kids. You know, we, we've seen it. You know, they're bombarded by the commercials, uh, uh, the fast food commercials. Eat. I always say it, eat more protein, eat more protein. Our, you know, we're, we're, our government still has the same food pyramid, which was paid for by the sugar industry back in the late 60s, early 70s. Right. Right, Sal? Yeah, and- it was. Yeah, it was paid for by them, but it was also manipulated by Ansel Keys, who was the Anthony Fauci before Anthony Fauci was, where he yeah. buried data, cherry picked data, ruined careers of the people who knew he was lying and was promoting this agenda. And uh, they not only that, one of the things they don't talk about is if you go back to the whole thing that started, this was Eisenhower's heart attack when he was president. And they kind of initiated this this search for causes. And the, the, the information was there. They just decided that they were going to promote it as being anti red meat and anti fat. The other thing that killed people in huge numbers is the amount is the treatment they gave these post heart attack patients. You know, I don't know if you guys remember this, but and I really didn't know this until I read about it. But the treatment for heart attack patients were was like complete bed rest for for weeks at a time. And they they now know that that the worst thing you could do after a heart attack is to have that sedentary lifestyle or, or be and be sedentary. Well, you know, and, my, uh, when I was born, my dad was older when I was born. He was 50 when I was born. He was in a coma when I was born. Wow. He had had a massive heart attack. And so I grew up in a house with someone who, you know, had heart attacks, who had these issues, who was told to eat margarine. <laughs> The things I've read, Sal, you probably know this. Margarine is like one molecule away from plastic. Well, that's what the, they the, that's created. They created the government's recommendations and almost really demands created trans fats, which were which, as you say, are the cause for a lot of these things. And the the advice we've gotten since that time, since the '60s into the '70s, has been putting us on this path where we are today. So it goes back again to what we talked about earlier, Kevin's point about these prospects getting worse as they go through the system. It's the same thing. The experts have led people down a completely wrong path and we're, we're getting to the point that something's going to have to happen. We're just all going to either continue and throw our hands up and say, screw it, or we're going to have to change the way things are done. You know, you know where where is the intellectual honesty? You know, I write five or 600 reports a year. And if I get them all wrong or, or get the majority of them wrong, like we're getting wrong in everything we're doing in baseball, at a certain point, I got to look myself in the mirror and say, you know, what, what, what am I doing wrong here? You know, you know, help, help me. Maybe the analytic people can help me. Maybe somebody, I, you know, I, I just don't get it. You know, when when are the strength and conditioning and the analytic people going to step to the microphone of the teams that are failing and all the strength and conditioning guys who pushing these guys into the gym and have them doing nothing because of load management on the field and we have more injuries than we ever had and players are not getting better, when are they going to be held accountable? Well, and again – there are some very good strength and conditioning people, but they're not going to be held accountable because that would mean that the GMs and the, and I call them POBOs, uh, president of baseball operations, the POBOs would have to start holding themselves accountable. Right. 
So no one is holding them accountable. Every once in a while, you'll get an owner who will say, wow, well, what are we doing here? But that's that's few and far between. Um, So so Kevin, I guess in your experience, even even on off the record stuff, how many of these types have ever admitted to be being wrong? They don't. They They don't. So that's we're not going to get this fixed. Yeah. No, it's 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 going to continue down the path because all you have to do, Sal, is look at who they're hiring. And they're hiring people that aren't baseball people. And not that you have to be a baseball people to succeed, but you have to have baseball people within your organization to understand what's going on. So they're going further and further away from baseball people. And that means they're going to protect it. It's a a CYA. Every front office is a CYA. And to answer Will's question, here's what they do. When things get so bad, suddenly they say, Oh, you know what? We're going to readjust here. We're, just what the Mets did this past year. We're gonna we're gonna build for the future. We got a three or four or five year plan, and everybody falls for it once again, just like they're yeah. falling for it with the Mets now. It's a joke. The Mets spent the most money, and they were they were just horrible, and no one's responsible. And yet, when Billy Epler was hired, I wrote the column. I said on the show here, he gets a second chance, but he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to build a pitching staff. That's and, like the Titanic. You know, yeah, all the, they're just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. The things every going, yeah. time, and the owners just say yeah, and the fans just say yeah. Let me line up and let me bet a parlay and let me do this and let me. They they're constantly changing the attention. The Yankee fans are finally starting to wake up. But you watch, you watch. The Yankees may get Soto or Bellinger. They won't get Otani, of course. They were never in that running. I think they'll get Soto simply because. At some point, the uh, uh, Preller will realize he's got no market for the guy pretty much, and he's going to take what he's got to take. Uh, but the Yankee fans will fall right in line. We have Soto now. We're all good now. you know. And uh, meanwhile, all the problems that they have have not been fixed. Well, you, uh, you know what? It's the same thing in the NFL. You have the Jets and Giants locally who are embarrassing, oh, exactly. and the fans are talking about getting picks and that's going to somehow make this different. It's like you have the same people making the same stupid decisions. Why would you think it's going to get better? You know, you watched the Jet game yesterday. Anybody that was involved with the decision to have those those two guys be the quarterbacks should be fired because you could say what you want about Zach Wilson, but he was your number one pick. So if he's that bad, then those same people that were involved with that decision to pick him should be gone. But – they did beat Buffalo and they did beat the Eagles with him as quarterback. So th- there's something so messed up there. They've got to get rid of everybody. But then again, they're two disaster of, of, of franchises. So nothing's going to get better there. And the media will fall right in line. Uh, how about the fact too, getting over to the giants that it came out. I, I don't know who, maybe it was Jay Glazer who had it. Somebody, you know, Jay, I've known Jay from his years. Uh, he was at the post way back when, and Jay works. Jay, Jay knows he's got good uh, players on the inside, good coaches. Uh, you know, he made all the connections to the as, – as a writer, I did the same thing. You make the connections with the coaches. They get different jobs. They'll tell you what's going on, um, you know, and Jay does it. But he had the fact that the the uh, that uh, uh, Dable and Wink Martindale were kind of at each other's throats. And nobody the, – the, the media pretty much laughed it off and went forward. Like, oh, no, Dable says that's not true. And they went forward with it. I'm telling you, if that, if Jay Glazer said that, that's true. But they they just they just bypass all that's going wrong. Immediately change uh, another shiny object. The next shiny object will be the Giants draft pick. Same thing, and, and the Jets. You know, I I, I I've said it before in the show, but I, I saw him in college. I I. I, I wrote a column saying the Jets got to pick Josh Allen. They went in another direction. Josh Allen's not perfect, but Josh Allen's a competitor. I want competitors on my team. And I'm going to swing this back to baseball. We need competitors in baseball. The the the, the Rangers got themselves compre- competitors. Simeon played every game, every game. Now, he struggled yeah. in the playoffs, but he was out there every day, giving his all. He got a couple of big hits. Got uh, some big Jan- hits. Jankowski got a big hit. Jankowski, just so everybody knows – he was one of Buck Showalter's favorite players and when he was with the Mets because the kid, he's a, from Stony Brook. Uh, it's like Christian McCaffrey. Um, they had a great comment yesterday about him. I just watch a lot of NFL, so, uh, you know, I'm preparing for the show. I want to do all sports. Um, and, and, they, and I think there was Shanahan that said about McCaffrey was, uh, and again, I covered his dad, Shanahan's dad, and things like that, and, and all those years. They're just 
again, they, they know the sport inside and out. That's, you know, they talk about coach of the year. Shannon's got to be coach of the year. Are you kidding me? All these other guys? No. Uh, but McCaffrey has got a all pro body, but he's got the, the mentality of a walk on. Of a walk on. That was a great line. That was I a agree. great comment. And, uh, and, and, you know, and that's what the Rangers did in a lot of ways with the players that they that, had. That, and that's what it takes to win. Yet all these hobos right. are going to just sell a lot of BS and you're not going to get those kind of competitive players. You're going to get the players um, and the Mets. I'm going to swing it back to the Mets again. Lindor's a great player, but he needs to step it up competitively. He, he kind of fell apart in the middle of the year. I don't know where he went. He took he took. And he had great numbers by the end of the year. He won his little awards. Uh, but you need to have a competitive outlook that's in, that's incredible. And I think the Mets don't have it. I think the Yankees have it in Aaron Judge. That's why if they trade for Soto, I will say this, Judge will get him on the right road if possible. And uh, it might be a better thing. But they still have so many issues. I think we need to really look at the issues, what's going wrong, and no one is questioning the authority. No one. I got a, a, I guess a seasonal topic for you guys. I, I guess Will, you and I were, were kind of teasing Mark Wiley last night, yeah. kind of shifting it to the co- college football. What, what were your guys' thoughts on the selection committee, comprised of eight administrators, two former coaches, two former players, one writer, female writer, none of which are full time on this watching football all game long. What, what were your thoughts on their selections? And it was a lot of outcry for Florida State. Florida State had to be in. For me, they, you know, you, 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 you don't not reward their 13 and 0 season. It's a fabulous defense. I only watched their last two games with their backup and backup, backup quarterbacks. It's a bad offense, but that's an NFL first round pick defense, a bunch of guys that are going to go really high that really play well. And they were 13 and 0 and they were in a power conference and, you know, as much as I think Alabama might be somebody that could win it right now, um, you just got to reward the team that went 13-0. and uh, So, you know, why play the whole season? You know, I uh, Kevin, was it you that said Manfred just uh, deemed the Braves the best team to, <laughs> that the Braves uh, – or? Somebody posted on Twitter today that Manfred just named the Braves as, oh, it was Jeff Fry. <laughs> the Braves world champions because they were the best team during this, you know. No, it's uh, it, it's almost like the baseball competition committee, which is a compiled of six owners, four players, and an umpire. It's rigged. It's rigged, all right? It's it's, it's rigged. It, and, uh, uh you know, I'm an Alabama fan. I like the way Saban runs his program. He's account, you know, he's all about accountability. But getting back to why, if I go undefeated and I'm in a big conference, I'm in, and I'm, it's there's no question I'm in the playoffs. So they, they you know, they they screwed it up. Uh, we'll see who questions them. Uh, I don't think there'll be a lot of questioning because, you know, the college football writers just kind of will go with the flow, and uh, they're happy to be there for those games and. But if I'm floor, what what are you saying? Then the regular season is not important. You have no shot. You can go undefeated, yet you're not in the final. Now next year they're expanding it, so it's, it's the last year of the problem. But uh, it would have been to me. I think it would have been a very gutsy decision to take Florida State and end it. And then, and then all you got to say is we're not gonna we're not gonna take a team that went undefeated and put them in in the corner they need to be they need to be invited to the party it's that simple i'm out now the people in alabama would have been mad the sec would have been mad that's life you know what that's life that's the way it goes goes. sometimes it goes that way it's uh it's kind of like what's happened in the playoffs now you know in in baseball they've they've deemed the regular season kind of like not important and that's how you wind up with things like load management yeah that's why they don't play yeah, that's why they don't. And I'm telling you right now, we didn't address it today, and I know we got to wrap it up. But what's going on in the NBA now? It's it's really bad. I said it from the beginning that this tournament thing would backfire. What are you telling the players when you got to have an in season whatever BS tournament where you give guys five hundred grand if they win? What are you telling the players about the regular season? The NBA. 
everything that David Stern, that David Stern did to make the league successful is now being torn away. The NBA is going to be the first, to me, the first pillar to fall. And uh, it's just going to be, it's just going to be an entertainment, that night entertainment value event. It's not going to mean anything. And I think that's why, uh, that's why uh, Cuban, you know, did his thing and sold it for the money he made. One other point before I get out of here. I don't want to hear any more, another word about the Yankees not willing to spend money. Do you know if, 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 if the Mavericks were worth the money that they were worth, what was it, Dave? Was it 1.7 billion? Or I forget what it was. Yeah. They, I mean, they're, they're through the roof and for yeah. him to sell out. Yeah. Well, you know, well, he, he, you know, I'm not surprised he sold out. That's him. Um, uh, but uh, I've dealt with him, you know, a few times, not, not really happy dealing with him. But uh, that's like, but I give him credit. He's a great businessman. He's done it. And, and look what he walks away with, uh, you know. But how in the world, imagine what the Steinbrenners are worth with the Yankees. So they should spend all the money in the world and bring bring a winning team to New York, do what they did in 2009. And if they don't do it, then it tells you that. It tells you two things. Not only are they cheap in their mind, but they really don't know what they're doing. For the Yankees not to have the team to not make the postseason when the postseason is so watered down, that is a monumental failure. Cashman should have been fired at the end of the year. Boone should have been fired. There should have been repercussions. The whole the whole group should have been fired, and um, and they weren't. So they're giving them a second chance. But the money that the Yankees are worth for them not to go for it is a joke. Hey, I will disagree with the rest of you about the choice. I think the bigger problem is the NCAA has been stupid and neglectful in not having more than four teams in. Oh, that, that's, uh, I agree with and, that. And, no, that's, if, if Travis was there, that then you give them that. But it's, it's happened before. Let's not pretend that people think it's the same team without a starting quarterback. There was... I know there's not a lot of examples, but there are few. And I remember Cincinnati in basketball years ago had Kenyon Martin, and he blew out his, he broke his leg in the conference tournament, and that resulted in Cincinnati having a lower seed. They would have been a one or two that year. They would have been the overall number one. So I, 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 I don't care what you say. I had someone tell me, well, the ACC beat the SEC head to head, but when teams beat, um, Vanderbilt and South right. Carolina, that doesn't matter. The high level, those two teams up here, Louisville was a terrible team in the ACC. Louisville yes. lost to Kentucky a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the one good win that Florida State had, and I will, you know, they they beat LSU earlier in the year, but you can't give them that uh, that spot. I, 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 I don't love Georgia. I don't love Alabama, but those two teams would destroy Florida State and just having a good defense isn't enough or else Iowa would have been a top 10 if you'd say well you know they still have a, a, a top 10 defense yeah but their offense is terrible so they don't belong in the discussion uh, I think it's it's actually ridiculous that it worked out this way because if you look at who five and six are that would have been your way to get six teams in and get the first two teams buys and make these other bowl games more meaningful that's how stupid the NCAA is not realizing that you could make those three or four other bowl games way more valuable if they meant something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I think it's great we're changing for next year, but I think, you know, for years the ACC has not been recognized as being as good as the SEC. So, and this is just a, a, a they're a victim of circumstances, but if they went, if Florida State went in there to play as the, as the three or the four, I don't think you're getting a game worth watching. That game against Louisville was horrendous. That was as bad as the Jet game. So it sucks for them, but that's just the way the system is, and that's the NCAA should be the one to be blamed that it's only four teams. Well, I okay. think we, we we can uh, you know we we can bring it all around and wrap a bow on it, but that's. Uh... It's, it's it's much like baseball. Just the system stinks. You know, I agree. We 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 can all agree on that. They had people people making decisions that weren't accountable, and they had people that weren't all in. And I asked this to, to a lot of our audience members: If Georgia wins, I guarantee Florida State's in at the four seed. Absolutely, and, absolutely. Um, with the Alabama loss, that killed them. And the the committee 
again, a lot like baseball. They chose the path of least resistance yep. uh, and they went with that no losses early on. And then at the last time switched it and they went, they, they, they said it was supposed to be the best four and they started giving most deserving. And now they, they, they caused their own problems in this. So I, I kind of hope they stew in it. I'm reserving from giving an answer, but I, I just tell them one thing. If the SEC is not in charge, you tell me who is, because you know, they, I, I think they're the best conference, but if you had Georgia win, Florida state gets in, Georgia loses. As soon as I saw Texas is three, I said, Ooh, Florida state's out. There's no way. They're not putting Alabama in that four spot. So, but I, I like the four they picked. I do, but uh, I'm not going to give Mark Wiley an aneurysm. Well, uh, oh no, I you know like I said, I only saw their Florida State looked horrible the last yeah. two weeks. Um, but I agree, they you know, but, feet you know, I, I also saw a couple of Texas games where they weren't that good either. Everybody had that. Wyoming almost beat Texas. Yeah, I mean there were some some you know. You know, and and, and again, it, it it it's college. They're not professional, and well, they're professional was, now. Well, you know, I don't think we can say they're not professional. No, that's true. What was Florida State ranked going into this week? They were three all season, and they dropped them to four. But the one thing that the committee did, if you go back and look, is that they lumped them by losses. So rather than uh, promote strength of schedule, what they said, they ranked teams by losses. So the first five had no losses, then the next seven had one. So they, they made their own bed. And then at the last minute, they switched it over when they saw that Georgia, you know, when they predicted, oh, boy, someone if, if Alabama wins, that was their worst nightmare. Yeah. And we talk about money. This McCord kid from Ohio State, I put it up on the board, just went into the portal, the quarterback. Yeah. He's going to draw somewhere in the neighborhood of 3 to $4 million as a transfer portal quarterback. Um, mid-level transfer portal quarterback. If you're high end, you'll get six to seven million. Well, Matt Rule said it the other day. He said yeah. that, he said it's going to get to get a decent quarterback. It's one point five million. He's right on the money. He's pulling the numbers from somebody who's got the inside. One to two, if you just want one. Three to four, if he's good. If you want an elite one, these guys are getting paid six plus million. What was uh, Whitlock had a good one the other day though to 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 try to slow that down, wasn't it, Dave? I sent to you. Oh yeah, um, he said to lose a. Was, oh, if they're if they transfer, that's fine. But they lose nil um, nil money. Abilities. They can't get nil money, which yeah. I thought interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting, but it'll never happen. No, it's oh, kind of no. like, and we didn't get to it. I wanted to address it, but I'll I'll do it now. What the hell if we yeah, run over a little bit? But uh, how about the fact that baseball has ruined its starting pitching so poor, badly that they have to go to Japan? to pay a guy over $200 million in Yamamoto because they don't know what they're doing and nobody questions it. And if the story about Yamamoto should not be that Yamamoto's good and, you know, he, you know, and he's, he's worth 200 million. The story should be why, why do just like, uh, why do we need to import pitchers? What are we doing to our own pitchers? And they're right. destroying and then their own the, pitchers. And then a, no one's writing it. There's a 31-year-old left-hander that, that that just went into the uh, posting too. Who's somebody's going to pay some money? Yeah, he's going to get paid. Because well, we don't have enough starting pitching. We had a World Series game, you know, that that we had a bullpen game basically by one of the World Series teams, and we're going to expand right by two teams now. Yeah, and and, and it very easily could have been a, of the only World Series game that. That uh, we would have had a position player pitching in it. Oh God, that would have that would have been the biggest embarrassment ever. Well, I want to show you how close-minded uh, baseball is. I'm not getting into details because I'm writing this as a future story, but I came across a, a story. A, a kid, uh, he he was a former player, pitcher, uh, had two Tommy Johns, um, um, but now is. Create, there's a uh, the, the person he's working with has a different system of of pitching. Uh, in other words, a, a different way to uh, to use your wrist uh, based off of uh, past success of people using their wrist. It's called neutral wrist. And um, he's been working with this guy. This guy's throwing consistently a hundred now. Consistently, he went from ninety one to a hundred, but nobody's interested in him. Because he's forty-two years old, so baseball can talk all at once about you know we went velocity, we went this, but but no teams they've shown some interest, and I think there's one team that might might reach out, but but so so they they talk out of both sides of their mouth, you know they want power pitching, they get a guy who can throw a hundred, but they won't look at him because he's too old. So so it's just another example of a closed-minded 
people in charge of baseball who don't know what they're doing. I think it would be a good time to wrap there. Um, anybody else got anything they want to add? No. Good. Good. Uh, I think that was great. Kevin, you want to close on that one? Yeah, that's good. Perfect. Okay, so audience, thanks so much for your support. 60,000 and growing, 74 countries. You know what to do. Hit those. Uh, let's beat that algorithm. Five stars, write some comments. Blackout Coffee, your code right now, capital K-E-V-I-K, with the number 20 after, gets you 20% off at checkout. Be awake, not woke. Don't be confused by any of the ads that pop up. Just buy that coffee. It'll show up in your, your checkout box there. And Ted Kubiak's book, Awesome Stocking Stuff, or Old School, he's got a fielding manual with it for your baseball lover and the family, young or old. That's a great, great thing to purchase for them for the holiday. It's on my bookshelf as well. Uh, guys, thanks so much for a great show today. Episode 371, Coach and Kernan, real voice to the game, and we're out of here. Tough. Try that in a small town